0: I walked on the moon. Elvis ain't dead. You ain't going crazy. It's all in your head. it's
1: all interpretation. Oh my! To find the truth, you gotta read between the lines. Dang it, Bobby. Work out your own salvation. You are the best of white
0: people. It's hard to find if it's more than a place, it's a state of mind That's not how it works That's not how any of this works Jerry, just remember It's not a line If you believe it You should never be allowed to talk to people There
1: is a fine line between genius and madness
0: Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together Mass hysteria
1: God bless America
0: And away we go. It's the morning after the Super Bowl. And, Mark, just to finish the conversation we were having right before we started taping this, Mm -hmm. uh, the Chiefs won in overtime. Oh, yeah, I I saw that earlier. (laughs) I didn't watch it, but I've seen (laughs) stuff on
1: social media this morning.
0: You know, it's so funny. uh, The Super Bowl, back in the day, uh, when we had three channels and PBS, the Super Bowl was an all-consuming thing, and there used to be stuff about how it, at halftime of the Super Bowl the New York City uh, water system got flooded from everybody flushing and all that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I I'm, I remember those things being said in the '70s, back when you know it was, I don't know, I guess a real sport. I, I'm tired of the theories that all these things are rigged and fixed because you know you see things happen. You're going, how did how did that happen? Yeah. You know, on the field, how did that happen? And I feel like I'm sometimes caught in the matrix on YouTube, watching those mm. videos, yeah. which if, if you've never done that, go do it. It'll mess with your head for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do get that. I mean, when you look at the
1: score, you, the, the game goes into overtime and think, I, I, it went into overtime. I mean, they were tied at the end of the game. How often does that happen? It doesn't really happen that often. But Mm -hmm. you're thinking, here's the biggest game of the televised game of the year. Let's milk it for all we can get out of it. You know, of course, people are going to be suspicious. You know,
0: you know, thing is, is that, you know, I remember back in the uh, back in the 70s to go back to the heyday. I think the heyday of professional sports in America was the 70s. Uh, And it's because if you think about it again, you had the big three networks, but it was at the very beginning of the VHS, the the, uh, home video market. And mm-hmm. people were renting had, in major cities in the mid '70s. Were renting movies. Uh, the rest of us caught on five years later, but it was before cable became so big with HBO and Showtime. And yeah. so basically, we're—I bet no, what 90 percent of the country was still on an antenna, and you had the basic <laughs> channels, and that was it. And yeah. so football and baseball, as—I mean, my goodness, those two sports, phew, World Series and Super Bowl in the '70s were huge. There was so big. In fact, there was a Saturday Night Special, um, done. I think it was 76, 77 That Burt Reynolds was on, where they made fun. He made fun of Terry Bradshaw. It actually made them friends because they always make a joke about Terry Bradshaw, the Steelers, being yeah. stupid. And uh, it wasn't that he was stupid. The guy was uh, had a number of learning disabilities. Um, right. Where yeah. you, you don't see the numbers and stuff, right? Um, and letters. Uh, uh, dyslexia. Yes, he has. He's dyslexic. Plus, he's ADHD. And uh, anyway, Burt Reynolds. It, On the the Saturday night before the Super Bowl, the Super Saturday Night special, right? And Burt Reynolds, the biggest movie star in the world, is on this show. He's wearing his tuxedo and he talks about Terry Bradshaw and he makes a joke about being on TV and he draws a square and says, "On TV, Terry, see?" (laughs) And it was, and he really felt bad for it. And as matter, that's what made him reach out. That's why Terry Bradshaw ended up being in Hooper that was mm. like Reynolds mm. next movie. And then from there on out, they became best pals and all that's that funny. That's yeah. Good. But that's how big the Super Bowl was then. And yeah. now I don't know if it's even on broad. You know, is it on broadcast TV or the ESPN get it? You know, that kind of thing. You know, it was on sad? CBS, but I have no, okay. I had no idea. Okay.
1: None. Like I said, I've, I've seen everything after the fact,
0: right? <laughs> Which is how a lot of people view things. There's a lot of people yeah. that, View everything when they feel like it. There are some people I think Thursday night are going to have a Super Bowl party. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're watching that Thursday night at nine. It's a big party. Everybody's coming. There's that guy. <laughs> there are all those people that work going, no, 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 la la la, la. Yeah. No,
1: don't tell me. Don't. <laughs> I've got it recorded. I'm going to watch it right. later. You know. <laughs>
0: How funny. What was really weird is there. There were a number of years where the Super Bowl just ended up being such a dud, and yeah. uh, it was a couple of years, where it was a big blowout or whatever, and you know, it just got old. But uh, now the last several years, I mean, I think like Kansas city this year, um, getting a repeat. They were the underdog. They were the yeah. underdog. I think they were the underdog for the entire playoff run. That weird year. They just had a year where things were not going as smoothly as they had in the last couple of years. Mm. And uh, yet they won the biggest game at the end. If you the, the goal of every sport is to win the last game of the season. If you win mm. that game, you're good. Yeah. No matter how you do it, I guess. Yeah.
1: Anyway, <laughs> That reminds me of my high school years when back in the day when I was the mascot mm-hmm. for the Irwin yes. Eagles and uh, Mark was that the year, Irwin Eagle. yeah, I was the Irwin Eagle. And that year we lost every game but the last one. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about an emotional night? That was an emotional night for a lot of people. But <laughs> that last game is kind of and a lot of us are standing on the
0: sidelines going,
1: what just happened? Did we just <laughs> win?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Oh, so, <laughs> Mark, as we are now, we're, we're really into this nitty gritty time of, uh, of the election of 2024. There is an ongoing, I don't want to say an attack on Biden from within, because you and I have been talking about Biden's lack of mental agility since before for the 2020 election yeah, and how fraudulent that thing has been. But now it's, they cannot ignore it. They, they being the inner workings of the Democrat party. And I think they really are seeing he's not only really old and senile and can't remember anything, mm-hmm. but he now is an anchor. He is, yeah. he is not somebody we can push out there and people will just vote for saying, well, we got his back because he might not make it to the election. He's that bad off. I think. And I, yeah. and that's why I've been, Try to be very nice about him because he is an old man who really just needs to call it a day. But if he if he continues to get pushed out there, Mark, yeah, uh, it then the wheels are going to come off this bus. Well, we have to also remember that in politics, nothing,
1: absolutely nothing, happens accidentally. Right. In the public eye, nothing hap- Nothing is an accident. So if nothing is an accident, why? did the Democrat Party allow Joe Biden to take that free, freewheeling, no notes, no pre-planning press conference last Thursday? Why? Why would they do that? Unless it was kind of like they'd thrown their hands up and said, what the, uh, what Mm -hmm. the bleep, you know, you know, that's just what the bleep. It's just, it's over. Just go ahead and let him do his thing. And, Let's get uh, somebody uh, get Kamala sobered up and get it ready because <laughs> you know, <'cause>, wow. <laughs> because I mean, what else are you going to do? It's the reports out and 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 then he goes out and he gets ang- he he goes out to disprove the report. And instead of disproving it, he proves the report. Right. Right. And why? Why else would they do that unless they've just kind of thrown their hands in the air and said, OK, it's over. We, we can't do anything else with the guy, but at the same time, they're not going to relinquish control in any way, shape or form because he's not the really, really the ones that's calling the shots. I mean, he is Henry Blake and Radar Riley is running everything. You know wow. what I mean? Yeah, all here, know What's Henry this Blake, This is for more forms, sir. Yeah. What do you mean more forms? Well, you sign these now. You don't have to sign them later. Okay. Well, that sounds good. You know, so.
0: <laughs> um. Hey, one little thing I've got to throw out there, Mark. We mentioned the Super Bowl a minute ago. And a quick radio story. Uh back in the day, Rusty Mace and I ended up um in a really weird radio situation. And another one? Yeah. This was really <laughs> weird. Um we ended up as a surprise, <laughs> we took over well, Rusty was already there and they hired me as the as the PD to fix this. 0.08 station. that was like number 20 in a 21 station market. Okay. Yeah. And I came in and rusty was kicking it at night. He was awesome, but those numbers didn't count like the rest. And so I used that to kick everything else. And yeah. we beat the competitor ended up being top five in the market in three months. It didn't take much. Okay. But it, I said it, it did take a lot, but it was rusty. I just, I, but I basically did it. I unsaddled him and said, come on, just go be nuts, man. Come on. And <laughs> that got the attention. And you know, he's good he, about grabbing a crowd. He can All do right. that. <laughs> So we beat our competitor and then we bought the competitor and we linked the two stations of creating the first FM FM simulcast in North America. At least the first one that actually was simulcasting, but was digitally separated. So you had local market commercials. So it was local in two markets, but networked together. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, the ownership of the two stations had a disagreement and the group that we were at which was the anchor the hub I was that was where we were stationed they were just ripping off the other guy and I couldn't handle it he was a friend of mine so he came to me said Dave I'm they're killing me can you help Mm. so I went to work with him and we separated the simulcast I took the hundred thousand and and became a part owner I brought rusty up there with me to HTE. well we were broke Like no. you were like, in radio right so yeah yes. here's the thing usually the radio owners are rich okay yes they're yeah. rich because they can afford to oh, back in the day own these things this is before yeah. corporate stuff right before corporate but being that i was basically a sweat equity guy my ownership came from my ability to turn it around my ownership really come into play when we sold it that's when i would get my kick if if i made made it profitable which I eventually did, but in the process, <laughs> I was so broke, and I'm running this. I'm and I've got the uh, you know my card, my business card, general manager, part owner, you know. Mm-hmm. But I basically couldn't afford to pay rent, so I was having to use that card to open my own door, and they locked me out, kind of thing. You know, that's <laughs> how bad it was. But there was this one kid I had I that I I needed to utilize a computer that we had to try to do some automation because it the payroll was killing me. And I thought, there's got to be a way. And I had the first Arrakis DigiLink system that mm. was first put into radio. By the way, Magic 96 in Birmingham had the first Arrakis DigiLink actually in being used daily, I think. They used it just for commercials. Yeah. I figured that this is before people knew how to do MP3s. It was before the MP3 was created. All you had for a music file was a WAV file, very yeah. big. And our hard drives were 1.2 gigabyte. That was it. <laughs> You'll never need any more room than that. No. <laughs> I went to the local computer store, Mark, and I said, can't you take these jumper cables here? Can't you pair, Can't you put another hard drive in there? Why would we do that? <laughs> because I need to find a way to play music when I'm not there, you know? Yeah. And they were like, Dave, you'll, there's no way you could use 1.2. You'll never need 2.4 gig. That's, come on. Wow. You realize we put men on the moon with half that, you know, that kind yeah. of talk. You just do it. It cost me $7,000 in trade dollars to get it done, but I got it done. Oh, wow! And there's a guy named Rich Ballet. He was a 15-year-old high school sophomore computer guy. And he was also a guy who liked radio. He came in, and I said, help me with this, Rich. He's 15. I remember when I was 15 and how good I don't know I was about radio. Yeah. got my first radio gig at 14. By 15, I was on the air full time, and I thought maybe Rich can be the same guy. So I put him on. I needed a guy on the air at night. So I called him Richie Rich and put him on the air. <laughs> he helped me with our computers and we actually used it to to actually program out the radio station because of this fifteen year old computer kid. Now, I've been watching his life. His family was very nice. I was they were very kind to me and I was I loved them generally speaking because they were just wonderful. But anyway, after I left, sold the radio station and moved. I always kept up with Rich, you know, because like I said, the kid was a sophomore in high school when I was really allowing him to really help and in, in a big way. And he was, yeah. he was wonderful. And of course, as soon as I sold the station, they treated him like, you know, a mm, high school yeah, kid. Yeah, of course. Well, I always saw in rich, there was something special about this guy. And over the last several years I've ha- had an opportunity to watch as his business has grown. He got into doing cell phones, the cell phone business early on and owns a company that is a cell phone company. Um, he has, is based out of Florida. And uh, just to give you an idea of how, how good his company is and how, flat, how flush they've been for the last several years. For those of us who were watching the Super Bowl last night on the TV, you know, at home or whatever, and really cool. The only place you could actually be in a better place than your living room to watch a game is at the stadium in a suite where they have the TVs and everything else in the suite, but you're, and you're in glass and you're overlooking right. the field like Taylor Swift last night. Yes. Um, well, rich Pallet posted pictures from there suite at the super bowl oh that's nice um from reba mcintyre when he's actually down there on the the field taking pictures of her singing the national anthem wow out in the stand with some of his employees you know taking pictures with his employees who are in the stands Mm -hmm. and then going back into his suite and taking pictures from the suite and uh yeah wow so it's been uh being able to watch rich do this over the years because yeah i mean guys a, you know, he's a man with his own family and all that now. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I look at him and I don't think he was this guy. He was this dorky guy. I just look at him as like, he was a guy that when I met him, when he was in high school, I knew there was something different about him and he has proved it in his life. And now he's, you know, multimillionaire several times over and you know, good for him. Wow. Good yeah. for him is right. Yep. He is the founder, chairman and CEO of Victra Verizon authorized retailer. Victra is one of the bigger distributors yeah. of Verizon. Very Cool rich Ballot, good for him good for him guy who actually started out as Richie rich on w h t e in Greenville north carolina how hit fm
1: mhm you mentioned the one point two uh gigabyte hard yeah. drive remember uh okay, uh-huh. okay. If you look at me so see what I'm pointing at him? yeah yeah guess how much memory this watch has <laughs> no sixteen <laughs> That Apple Watch. The Apple Watch has on my wrist has 16 gigabytes, and back in the day, when we first got started fascinated with computers, the big monster hard drive was 1.2. Wow! You'll never need more than that.
0: back to the dog show up next we have satchmo satchmo is a member of the shelter pet group that's right a group known especially for their couch snuggling ball chasing face licking and of course companionship now let's see him in action look how he makes eye contact with this person that's actually known as the treat stare how intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance so common with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
1: That's funny talking about computer stuff like that, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> 1.2 gigabytes. Wow.
0: He'll never need more. All right, Are you Mark. Crazy. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It really is. Oh, well. All right, so Mark, as we uh, head into the uh the next several months of uh the process to elect the next president. Nikki Haley's still hanging in there. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think she's going to hang on till the very end. I don't. She's not a viable candidate as a VP. She's already said she's not running for vice yeah. president. You know. Yeah. And um, and I think it's interesting that they've got her staying the course. But I think they kind of they being the Republican Party, I think they have to have her in there, um, just in case. I, I I'm trying to think of the, I've had in the back of my head that that Godzilla, you know, or Megalodon or whatever is going <laughs> to pop up and ruin everything for you know this election, because right. I don't see how. Biden is a legitimate, you know, possibility, but I didn't see it in 2020 either. So yeah. Well, also I I think the
1: RNC is telling her you need to stay in it because you never know how right. this is all going to pan out with the Democrats trying to torpedo Trump.
0: And see, and I right. thought they were going to yeah. win just because 2012 almost. And again, 2016, I still remember that even though, even though uh, Trump won the fact that, they were able to make it that close, Mark. That just, it, he had to have won so big. Yeah. He and did. I look at I, this and I think, you know, it worries me. Well, they were very certain in 2016. Yes, they were. I mean,
1: they were, they were absolutely completely and totally certain that Hillary yeah. was going to be the next yeah. president.
0: And but <laughs> I kept thinking you and I were looking at it going, How? Yeah, I remember that. How can you guys be so sure what everything we see and Mm -hmm. you're just, you're not talking about reading the reports, you're talking about seeing the people, the the motivated base of people that are showing
1: up. Looking at the pictures and the videos of the, of the appearances. Now you didn't see it on the national news because they weren't going to show the pictures with the, with the tiny crowds that Hillary had and the monstrous crowds that Trump had. They just wouldn't show that. But when you started seeing on social media, people saying, yeah, I was there. Look at this. Right. And, and thousands of people at a Trump rally,
0: but you I never saw. it. figure them. out where TV. we were seeing those. I forgot. Now I remember yeah. when you said that, I'm like, that's where we saw because I was thinking I was nuts. Yeah. I they that were, that,
1: people I were posting their yeah. phone,
0: iPhone photos and stuff yeah. on fo-
1: social media. There were thousands of people here. They didn't show it on the news. And then you'd see somebody at the back of the room at a Hillary thing that what looked like hundreds and hundreds of people yeah. gathered, you know, pressed up against the stage was a couple of dozen, you know, <laughs> right? they just took it from that angle. Yeah, they just they just got up close and shot enough heads and shoulders in mm-hmm. front of the stage to make it Look like there was a mob there, but there but wasn't. That's
0: why I'm concerned. That's why I've been concerned because I yeah. keep thinking that they, the powers that be don't want Trump, you know, and that's pretty universal of the people in control. And yeah. then you both got, sides of the aisle, by the way. Right. They, yeah, they, And he is so disliked by those people. But I look at the, again, in a country of 330 million legitimate American citizens, probably three, even a lot more than that, but you're going to tell me this is it. The best the Democrats have is a really senile, you know, losing his cookies, Biden and the Republicans, the best they can come up with is the guy they hate. Yeah, really. That's what you got out of (laughs) all of this. That's what we have. Well, on one side, you've got the Democrats
1: who they don't care. And I think they ran Joe Biden almost as a it doesn't matter who we run. He's the one with the best name recognition. Throw him out there. And you've got people wringing their hands. Yeah, but he's going nuts. He's losing his mind. And Mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't matter. He's not going to run it anyway. Right. We are. We're uh-huh. going to run everything. It doesn't matter. He just needs to stand in front of the camera and wave and smile and
0: say what we tell him to say. and Tell That's him awesome. to stop touching little kids <laughs> and stop sniffing hair. Uh-huh. And it's things like, like we're that. The, yes. you know what? We're the guys with Bill Murray and we're singing songs about Camp Mohawk. You know, <laughs> it just right. doesn't matter. That's it right. just doesn't matter. And on the flip side, you've got you've
1: got a, a cast of 16 characters and the Republicans are saying, yeah, we got some viable people in here. We'll yeah. never have to. We'll never have to rely on Trump again. Right. We're Good. And then the people all said, Not so much. much. You know? Yeah.
0: Go ahead and put Nikki Haley on there of uh, none of the above, below that. Yeah, pretty so much. Now Nikki when, Haley, she wants to actually put them to a test, Mark. Yeah, them she being wants, Biden she wants, and uh, she does. <laughs> she wants she wants
1: she said yesterday that she wants President Biden and former President Trump, she wants them both to take mental acuity tests to show the American people whether they're at the top of their game, Add, adding that she have no problem taking such a test herself. Of course, she's the former governor of South Carolina, former United Nations ambassador. She made these remarks during an appearance on CBS's Face the Nation. Uh, when asked when she planned to take a cognitive uh, assessment after she made mental fitness a signature issue of the 2024 presidential election. Quote, I have no problem taking it. And what I have said is we need to have mental competency tests for anyone over the age of 75. I don't care if we do it for 50 and up. Haley said special counsel Robert Hurr's report on Biden's mishandling of classified documents and his blunders that followed in the wake of the report suggest that the president is diminished. Suggests? <laughs> Um, Haley suggested Trump has had similar memory issues, but didn't give any specific examples quote, but what happened with Joe Biden this week and what we've seen with Donald Trump is another example of why we have to face the reality of the fact that when you get to those ages, you get diminished. These people are making decisions for our national security. These are people making decisions on the future of our economy. We need to know that they're at the top of their game. Biden, who's America's oldest sitting president, he's 81 years old. Trump is 77. According to hers report released last Thursday, Biden could not remember key details of his own life, such as when he was vice president during interviews with investigators. The thing about, one of the things that he didn't remember that shocked me was when his son, Bo, died. And, you know, that's one of his things. Well, you know, when my son, Bo, he brings that up constantly. Yeah. He brings it up almost every time you see him speak, he talks about Bo. But he couldn't remember when Bo died. Wow. Right. The investigators who regarded Biden as a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory recommended no criminal charges against the president. That's kind of echoing back to those days when Comer Sat in front of the of the uh, the Senate or the the panel and said, "Yeah, these are all the things that we've seen Hillary did wrong, but eh, we can not right. find any reason to convict her."
0: Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Where's the ball peen hammer she used on those uh, those BlackBerry yeah, cell phones yeah. and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. But uh, a cogniz a, cognates, a cogn- okay, go ahead. That's
1: fine. I think you'd probably find that the guy who's running multiple companies is doing pretty well. You know, right? And if he and if he mixes somebody's name up now and then. And it's all in the moment. It's not, I don't think it's actually a sign that he has some sort of cognitive disorder or he's going downhill. I think it's that he's got a, (laughs) you want to talk about keeping plates spinning. That guy's keeping a lot of plates spinning. (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, the only plate spinning for Joe Biden is the one they put his ice cream on down at the ice cream parlor.
0: (laughs) It's just sad that it's so easy to see and yet so denied. That's the part that really bothers me, Mark. It really does. We're better than this. I thought, I thought we were I I really did. No, I actually have known we're not. I I just had hoped and dreamed that, you know, that there would be a time where things would went back into shape, you know, like, Mm. but I think it was gone uh, two months after I was born. So, (laughs) and I don't, I don't (laughs) think we're getting it back. You know, you're not going to put that genie back in the bottle. I remember years ago reaching out to Mike Medavoy, the movie guy, he um, was with United Artists in the seventies. Um, later, headed up uh, Orion and then TriStar, and then created his own Phoenix Pictures and uh, won an Academy Award with Black, Black Swan, I think. Anyway, Mike Medavoy—he's kind of his—he's one of those people you don't really know, uh, but he was kind of a hero of mine. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, um, I reached out to him just through his company and sent him an email and just said, "Hey, you know, just want to tell you I really enjoyed reading. You know, he wrote a book and I read him about that." But he's an international guy. This is a guy that was born in China. Okay. He was born in Shanghai. His family uh, had to flee. They were, okay. Jews born in China who had to flee to Chile uh, and then ended up fleeing and coming to the U.S. So you've got a guy who actually, English is not his first language. Okay. But he, he has not, he hasn't been able, he left like, china when he was seven you know goes mm-hmm. to chile when he's seven, yeah. and then ends up in the u.s right when he's in high school yeah. and he learned the english language watching game shows on television in the 50s that's where he, <laughs> you know but I, I mean it's just amazing to me that the guy could you know achieve so much when you have some and his, he had that um oh i don't know just the immigrant spirit of you just got to work harder and yeah. his dad had told him no matter what you always have to have a trade skill mm-hmm. you know it doesn't matter what you're able to do it means, you know, because they'd had, to, he'd had to start over again. And his thing was, he was a mechanic. He knew how to work on cars and it's a universal thing working on cars. So even though his dad couldn't speak the language, he spoke the language of cars. And no matter where he went, that's what he would start doing. And then as they got to know who this mechanic was, they went, he's brilliant. You know, he ended up heading up one of the biggest companies down in California, I think with automotive, his dad did. I say all that to say this, he became, he was an immigrant that came here the right way. Became a citizen, you know, and and really grew. Yeah. And I look at people like him, and I remember writing him and saying, "With movies so out of control, when you're having to pay twenty and thirty million dollars to an actor to appear in a film that might not even make that much money, you don't, you know, mm. it costs. If you spend a hundred million dollars on the movie, it's going to cost another hundred million in marketing, and half the money that's collected go, you know, goes to the theater owners. So only half that even gets returned in rentals on the, and so a $200 million film returns a hundred million to the studio. That's a big hit film. Yeah. And my thing was, why can't the studios partner the smaller people like Phoenix? Like, and that's what I was asking him, like his company. Why can't Phoenix pictures get big above the line actors to partner with them in these movies? That way, if the movie does really well, everybody makes a lot of money. If the movie's a flop, nobody goes bankrupt. It's just a thought, you know, and he hmm. said, you know, that's the genie's out of the bottle. There's always going to be somebody willing to write that check. So, you know, they don't need a partnership. They don't have to run the risk. They'll get paid. They can do a project by taking a risk or get paid the money. <laughs> hmm. They're going to take get paid the money. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's well, where do, we are right now. You
1: do we, hear about that happening from time to time where where an artist will see the potential of a film and say I know you don't have the budget. Just give me some of the back end.
0: And the producer, that's why they're all members of the Producers Guild of America. If you see that, Tom Cruise PGA, that's what it means, Producers Guild of America. And a lot of the big stars have joined the Producers Guild, so they can get that back in. Right. But anyway, I say that because getting the genie back in the bottle, if you can't do it with something like Hollywood movies, do you really think it's ever possible in government when it is so out of control, so entrenched in the criminality that goes on in Washington, Mm. D.C.? can we ever get to that part where people who actually want to serve as president aren't serving as president because they see that as the end game, but because they see that as the ultimate deed in service. Mm. I mean, I, I just, I don't think we're there. I mean, I look at the people who are actually really, this is the best we got. Yeah. I just, I don't see that. And I'm yeah. wondering how do we cut through that How do we get through that? And mm. then I know here are the emails I'm going to get Mark. The green party, the dirt party, the cloud party, the unicorn party. Well, there are options, Dave. You guys just don't talk about them. Yeah, actually, we do talk about them from time to time. If they're on the ballot, if you are on the ballot in all 50 states, we'll talk about you. That's the key. And that's why the Libertarian Party has continued. By the way, the reason another party will not make it is because you have to pick your battles and and a party that does not stand for something will fall for anything. You have to dig in and say, we are for this. We are against that. And is even though I'm not that way, I'm more of the lines of, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't care. As long as, you know, as long as you don't make me do it, you know, I don't care. Um, mm. That's not a selling point. If you're forming a party, you can't be that way. Yeah. You actually have to say, I'm either for it or against it. Yeah. And legitimate parties, you know, libertarians oftentimes say whatever an adult, whatever two adults want to do, you know, mm. is fine.
1: Clearly, politics on every level now, not just uh, not just the national level, but on every level is no longer attracting (laughs) the Mm -hmm. best and the brightest, if I can put it in that terminology. You know, because if you think about you think about the world of business, you think about uh, education, things like that. You want to attract the best and brightest to your organization. Right. You really do, because that way everybody benefits. Well, that's not the way things work in politics because the best and the brightest are on the sidelines going, I wouldn't do that for any amount of money.
0: (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's important to buckle up your kids. I know. Sometimes car seats can be complicated. I know. And if your child's in the wrong seat and you get into a crash. I know. It could lead to a serious injury. I know. So you're 100% sure you have the right car seat for your child's age and size? I... Don't
1: know.
0: Don't think you know. Know you know. Car crashes are a leading killer of children 1 to 13. Make sure you have the right car seat. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You know, Mark, there was something I was thinking about. And about politics. And uh, you remember the rock band? Creedence Clearwater Revival. Mm-hmm. They never had a number one hit. Had a whole bunch of number twos, never a number one. There are a lot of people we think had something they didn't. Ben Franklin, never elected to a major office. Yeah. he was. I looked it up because I didn't think he was, but even though he, by the time the Constitution, the, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution came around, he was an elder statesman in the world that was, you know, in which we occupied in the 1700s. Right, and uh, he actually he served as the clerk of the General Assembly of of Pennsylvania's colonial government from seventeen thirty six to seventeen fifty, and he was later elected member of the colonial assembly representing Philadelphia. Well, it was called Philadelphia City back then, Mm -hmm. but uh, he was not a congressman or anything like that because that was all in the future. But by the time we actually did, we as a as a nation, you know, did throw out the Declaration of Independence and these. uh, and the constitution, he was one of the framers. He was one of the people who stood and, you know, they would look to him for leadership, you know, and, mm. and he would give his ideas and thoughts because he was an older fellow by then. But anyway, it's just kind of neat. When I, I think about in our past, have the best and the brightest actually been and have it's in reality, it's always been part marketing. Mm. You know, how do you get from here to there? George Washington, you know, he knew, he was very well aware of being a, a, a general in the military. He was very aware of how he looked when he arrived in town and what people expected. He had this big white, you know, horse that he would ride into town in. He didn't like when he arrived in a town, he didn't ride in the carriage, you know, yeah. being all perfumed and stuff. What he did is he rode in that through the dirt roads, getting from point A to point B, but just outside of town of point B, he would then get out of the carriage, <laughs> have his white horse wiped down and he would ride his white horse through town. Wow. And that way people saw him. They saw him in all his splendor, you know? Um, you know, he kept a, his dentist with him all the time, even mm. on the battlefield. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Anyway, because his teeth were always hurting him. You know, he was hurt, but he never really had wooden teeth either. They were like made out of like, yeah, you know, ivory and stuff. But anyway, but I think about that. And I think about him as our, the first president, you know, and he was a military leader and people, he was actually a very accomplished businessman as well. And big exporter of whiskey, but, I think about the things he did to market himself back then. And I think it's not that much different now, you know, you have to be a top notch marketer to get the attention of the party. Now, once the party has your, you know, they, they look at you and think Mark Congleton's a viable candidate. They need to, they start scrubbing your background to make sure that you mm-hmm. didn't, uh, you know, take an eighth grader to the 10th grade, you know, social, you know? Um, and once they've gone through those things, then they actually say, Hey, Congressman might be a viable candidate. We need to look at him, put him out there. Let's see what we can do hmm. until you have that though. You've got no real chance outside. You know, very few people like, uh, think about, um, the mayor of Wasilla, uh, oh, was yeah. 2008 running mate of, uh, gotcha. the yeah. Sarah liberal. Palin. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Sarah Palin was a, you know, she isn't was an old school politician, you know, started out on the, the, uh, the board of education in her small town because her kids were in the school. Yeah. or actually started out of the PTA president of the PTA did good maybe I ought to be on the board of education, okay hey, you did a really good job there. what about mayor or city council you know and the and then it was well, you did a really good job as mayor. what about at the state level and became governor you know I mean it's just that stair stepping up mm-hmm. you don't have that often now now we actually have people that get drafted into a position you know as a state legislator or yeah. you know depending on how the house of representatives is going and they can jump in that way. But the party picks it, the party runs it, because without the party's money, you can't afford to do it unless you're very wealthy. Yeah. You become wealthy by winning, but you know, to get yeah. there is a different thing Yeah, and that's what we're up against. So mm-hmm. unless somebody like Mark Congleton actually gets chosen by the party, we're not going to have a viable, a, we're not going to have a candidate that's going to make us happy.
1: Right. And a couple of examples of that, of, of the way things work now as opposed to the way they used to work. Um, first, well, It used to be said that, excuse me, that former governors make the best presidents because they have that experience of running, you know, a political Mm -hmm. organization, right? Right. Congresswomen, congressmen, congresswomen, senators, not so much. They don't, they don't, they don't have the same kind of background, same kind of experience because running a state is very similar on a smaller scale to having to manage a country, right? With all of the stuff involved. But then now you see people coming out of Congress in the Senate And people like that running who don't have that background and don't have that experience. Right. And I think one of the reasons for that is that the political system itself is pushing people into those positions in order to get them higher. Two examples, Hillary Clinton with no background except being the wife of a politician. She becomes a senator. Mm -hmm. And then Barack Obama, a community, a communist, community organizer. With street experience, and he happens to be a good public speaker when he's reading. <laughs> they shove him in, make him a you know, make him a senator, and then they run him for president.
0: They shortcut everything. You know, it's interesting how they, uh, they being the party in uh, the 2004 Democrat convention, uh, they gave Obama the keynote. You know, they gave him a big, big spotlight, yep. and knowing he had that inflection, he had the ability to speak. And he, I, I go back and watch that speech, and it was, you know. A lot of his messages were well done, well written, well performed. And that's yeah. what worries me a lot. You know, you, we have had occasion where that has worked and it did with him. But you know, the thing is, is the party actually really did with Obama. If you really want to have some fun, go look at each of his elections as, as a state representative in Illinois um, and how he ran unopposed, how he either ran unopposed or they got rid of his his, uh, uh rival. His Republican rival, like even when he ran for the Senate position, the Republican guy had to, had to drop out like four months before the general election, you know, mm. because of a scandal. And that's what wow. they did with Obama. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, if you lose your candidate three or four months before the election, you may as well, you know, you're going to get those who vote for the R, and that's it. Yeah, which is sadly is most of them. <laughs> Golly gee, whiz, Beave, you know it. All right, Mark, I recognize I mean,
1: that name. It's got the right letter next to it. That's the one I'll vote for. Yeah, but Ark can mean so many
0: things, and <laughs> none <laughs> of them are good. Um, I've been watching the uh, uh, Fulton County, Atlanta stuff uh, in yeah. uh, going on, and uh, not shocked, not surprised. But do right. you think the the people lining up now against uh, Fannie Willis are going to actually Fannie or Fanny? I think Fonny. she wants people to say Fannie, but know. everybody's saying Fanny. Yeah, they wanted Gwen Stefani, you know. Yeah, De- Fonny, Okay, <laughs> fine.
1: Well, yeah. coming from Breitbart dot com, there are whisp- whistleblowers reportedly lining up to testify in the case surrounding Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Williams, or Willis that is, who is accused of misconduct. Leaders with Georgia's Senate Special Committee on Investigations met Friday regarding Willis, who's being criticized for her relationship with Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade. Um, come, This is coming from Fox Five in Atlanta, noting that Senate that State Senator Bill Cowsert. Ka, uh, well, I wanted to actually say that was Coswert for some reason because I didn't want to say the word cow. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill Coswert. Uh, he's a Republican from Athens, emphasized the group wanted to uncover the truth. Willis previously brought Wade on to head up the investigation into the state's 2020 election interference case. And Breitbart News reported February 4th that Wade was appointed to prosecute former President Donald Trump. The Fox article continues saying, as the meeting commenced, Cowsworth, uh Cowsert, What is it with that name? (laughs) Kalsert dropped a bombshell, revealing that multiple whistleblowers within the Fulton County DA's office have expressed eagerness to testify. They allege misuse of federal and state funds, further escalating the scrutiny surrounding Willis. Attorneys for several of former President Donald Trump's co-defendants are seeking Willis's disqualification and the dismissal of charges claiming financial benefits derived from her relationship with Wade. Kalsert recently told reporters, quote, the people of Georgia are very troubled by these allegations, and it's important that we have the public's confidence in the fairness and the impartiality of the criminal justice system. And I I think that's there, there's more to it. If you want to read it, you can go to our show notes. But so now we have people, whistleblowers, working in her office, ready to <laughs> standing in line. Oh, sure, I'll testify. Right. Yeah. Because she's been misappropriating funds. She's been she brought this guy on this married guy on who she was sleeping with to, to, to work as a special prosecutor. And he'd never been a special, a special prosecutor ever before and no experience. This is this is not just a small case on a local level. This is a national case. And she brings her her bed buddy on as a special prosecutor and pays him more. Not initially. She paid him the same as everybody else initially, but then she upped his pay. Per hour, by the way, we're talking hundreds of dollars per hour here. And <laughs> and and so he's making more and he's a special prosecutor with no prior experience on one of the highest profile cases in the country at the time. Wow. Well, and there you have it. <laughs> he's spending that money he's making, that $250 something dollars an hour he's making. <laughs> he's spending that money taking her on cruises, going to the Napa Valley for wine tastings and things like that. So she's benefiting from the money he's getting paid. And that's kind of the bottom of all this stuff. They're, tr- they're, they're chasing down the money. And when it came to just the money, a lot of people said, oh, yeah, I've seen her do this. Oh, yeah, I know she did that. And they're ready to step up and say, yeah, she's dirty. Wow. Yep. Yeah. The, well, kind of, the big question is, how does this affect the, the uh, accusation?
0: How does that affect this think. case? You know? Yeah. And that, just, that's what I'm thinking is how does that impact... And can it, will it, I mean, look at the hundred charges, look yeah. at them. And right. I mean, I pointed them out from the very beginning that they are, it's a loaded list. And yeah. if she's the one that came up with the list uh, and so I'm sure I'm pretty sure it's handed
1: yeah, to well, this her, this calls but, every, this calls all of her judgment in the question, right? You know, and yeah. I can see, I can you see should. the people in court against her saying you have to call everything she's done in the question, including right. all of these
0: charges. Yes. You know? So is this the out, is this the way out? I don't know. I just think that, you know, from, I just think it's sad that, that we have come to a point now where a number of Americans that I thought were reasonable people aren't, they think it's okay to go after Trump just because they didn't like him and didn't like his, you know, when did all of a sudden it's not okay. It's just, if you're a Republican, you know, if you're a conservative, you're now evil because you do not. I hate to say this, but it ultimately comes down to the LGBTQIA. Unless you affirm, you know, the whole thing of accept and affirm. Look, man, invite, fine. Accept, okay. Affirm, no. Mm. There's a big difference. They're not the same. Mm. Um, They're they're not to be used hand in hand. Uh, I I accept you, however you think you are or believe, whatever. That's your business. It isn't really Mm. mine. But I'm not going to affirm it because I don't believe in it. And so that's where we are. And that's why I'm most concerned. They believe they being this, the agenda that unless you affirm, meaning not only do I agree with you, but Hey, champion your cause and let me get out there and wear a rainbow t-shirt. Unless you do all of that, right? You are, you are the enemy. You are a hater. Mm -hmm. You're evil. And you, by being those things, no longer have the right to free speech. Mm -hmm. You no longer have the right to have freedom. Because you do not affirm this lifestyle choice, you now lose your rights to exist in our world. And that's how they have, they, the agenda has gone. I've been reading this and it's like, I'm shocked by it. It's Mm. like, it's not an, it's not enough to say, I don't care. Be what you want to be. Let everybody go. You know, we'll sing Kumbaya, (laughs) but that's not enough. You have to affirm and I can't. And and if you can't affirm you're the bad guy and they believe whatever bad happens to you is perfectly okay.
1: He used the word enemy uh, during that. And if you look very closely at the two different sides of this particular issue, yeah. only one side terms the other as an enemy. And that would be the LGBTQ people. Those people term those who stand against them as their enemy. And those of us who aren't in that camp, don't see those people as an enemy. We see them, actually, truth be told, those of us with a brain and a little bit of compassion, see them as people to be pitied. Yeah. And people who need help, we don't see them as an enemy. We need. We see them as someone who need help. Somebody who needs, uh, needs answers that they're not gonna find in the direction they're chasing, you know? Right. But we don't call them enemies. Now, if they decide to wage war, yeah, yeah, then we have an enemy situation. And I think right now we're very, very close to that. Very. We never walked on the moon. elba's ain't dead. You ain't going crazy. It's all in your head. In your head.